Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. Whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. This man strives valiantly. And who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Today is a day to dare greatly. Hey everyone, welcome to Football Sunday. I'm Benjamin Watson, and in a few hours, the largest single sporting event of the year will be played. But in the next few minutes I get to spend with you, you'll hear some amazing and inspirational stories from NFL players and their wives. I know these guys. I know that every man on every team has gone all out all year long. Coaches, players, trainers, everyone. And today, they'll take it to another level. This is a game where every player goes all out, and that's because they're all in. And by the end of the day, one team will walk away with the Lombardi Trophy. That reward we worked towards since we were kids with big dreams playing at the local field. It's going to be a great day, and I'm so glad you've chosen to be here with us, right here, right now. Welcome to Football Sunday. I remember one time in third grade, a, a kid came over as we were just playing catch innocently. He just came over. He said, you really throw the football well. And I said, oh, thanks, man. He said, no, no, no. You really throw the football well. And I thought, oh, okay. Played my very first varsity game my junior year of high school. And I knew that this was a big year for recruiting. So I knew that I needed to play well to have a chance to play in college. And in the very first quarter, of the very first game of my very first varsity season, I got hit on my left side and, and broke my ankle. And I remember driving back from the hospital with a cast on my ankle. And there were tears in my eyes and I called my dad and I said, Dad, because I'm gonna miss this season, it means that I can't play in college. The dream is over, if you will, to play in college. And my dad said, Kirk, you don't know that. Uh, think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. At that moment, as a 17-year-old junior in high school, I made Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 my life verse. And um, from that moment on, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him and let him sort out the rest. A year and a half ago, I said it would be impossible to play college football. And now I'm signing a full scholarship to have college paid for to play for a school that would have been my dream school all along. You know, that was only the beginning, and yet at that time I thought that alone uh, teaches me what it means to walk by faith and how big God is, and yet God said, Kirk, I, I haven't done anything yet. I'm going to take you on a journey here. Just keep trusting me. The night before the draft, my dad sat our family down, and he read from 1 Samuel 16, where David is anointed king. And he said, this passage has the feel of a draft because Samuel goes to the home of Jesse and he says, bring out your sons from your sons will be the next king. 
Well, he goes through the, the first and he says, surely this must be the one. I mean, he looks the part. And the, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, no, he's not the one. And then he goes through each one and he goes through seven. And the Lord says no to all of them. And so Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other sons? Because the Lord said the seven you brought to me are not it. He said, well, I have one more, David. He's out in the field. I didn't even think he was in the running. So David, he said, bring him. So David's brought before Samuel. Samuel sees him and the Lord says, that's the one. And my dad's point to me was, Kirk, there's a lot of outward appearance looking going on right now around the NFL with the draft. And there will be going forward. Ultimately, as you've seen through your upbringing, the Lord directs your steps. The Lord has his hand on your life. And the Lord is not looking at the outward appearance. The Lord is looking at the heart. My dad came over and he said, Kirk, do you know what number quarterback you were? And I said, no, I, I don't. I said, I know there's usually 10 or 11 that get picked in the draft every year. He said, you were the eighth quarterback. He said, we read 1 Samuel 16 two nights ago and David was the eighth son of Jesse. He said, I think the Lord is speaking to you. He's saying, Kirk, I have my hand on your life. When you fly to Washington, just trust me that I've got the next year, two, three, four, whatever it may be under my control. probably had more where are you God moments than I have had the moments where I know he's near but I look back and I see he's faithful and he knows what he's doing and he gives us just enough I want to see lives changed for the kingdom and I want as many people as possible to come to know the hope of the gospel but also not only to come to know Jesus through the gospel, but then to make him Lord of their life and to see what I've seen in terms of decades of the Lord's hand guiding a life. And that's a journey that we're all on and we're all in different places on that journey. But um, that's what I want my life to be about. first memories of each other uh, we played flashlight tag throughout the church you know at night I remember seeing her run back to base and not not remembering her name exactly but her older brother Brandon who I was better friends with at the time I said uh, I got you Brandon's little sister and uh, I turned around and I said that's not my name and I ran to base I don't know if that was the start of our <laughs> romance but uh, it was definitely one of our first memories of each other Coming into to college, I was consumed by football. Um, you know, was, I'm a competitive person. You know, when it didn't come easy, uh, you know, I struggled with it. You know, throwing one bad pass at practice or having a mistake, you know, here or there, uh, you know, really consumed me. And it was a lesson I, I, I continually learned from freshman year all the way up to senior year when I hurt my knee that I was not just a, a football player that happened to be a Christian. I was a Christian who happened to play football.
Jesus really commanded us was his very last breaths before he left earth. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the best parts of that verse, one that really struck home for us is that word go. It's not just not just go, but it's as you are going. So uh, for me as a football player, uh, for her as a, as a wife, um, whether you're a businessman, teacher, you know, construction work, whatever you're doing, um, you know, as you are going, as you are doing those things, make disciples. That's not slapping them in the face with the Bible, but living our life as close as we can to chasing after Jesus. You know, coming out of college, I was un undrafted, signed Houston Texans, signed with the St. Louis Rams signed back to the Houston Texans at the end of that year and then traded back to the St. Louis Rams. Moved with the St. Louis Rams to LA and then signed with the Minnesota Vikings. Moved four times in one year, right? Six times in seven. <laughs> place we've been, I've, I never want to leave that place without giving the best I've got, without getting to know as many women as I possibly can. I don't want to waste that year. I want to help point others to Jesus, no matter what I'm doing. And that is absolutely our goal as we are going. The first year I played football, I played running back. I went out and scored like, you know, 50 touchdowns in a year. Our team went undefeated all the way to the championship game, and I just kind of knew uh, then that football was a possible avenue for success for me. Going into my ninth grade year, I'm introduced um, to marijuana, I'm introduced to alcohol, I'm introduced to uh, sex. This is a 14-year-old kid uh, dealing with this stuff, and I didn't have a father figure around to teach me, you know, what all that meant. All I had was to look to were the guys in the streets, which was drug dealers, guys who had criminal records, and I was looking up to those guys. So I just figured I was supposed to do what they did. I wanted to show them that I wasn't scared, that I wasn't uh, afraid to be a bad boy or whatever. I just wanted to impress them. I tried to jack um, another kid for his wallet. I tried to steal his wallet in the hallway, and I ended up getting in trouble and getting um, expelled from school. I remember my mom calling me on the phone and just hearing her brokenness. When she answered the phone, you know, just like, DeMario, what have you done? And when she said that, it was almost to the point of, you have messed up your life. And I remember uh, being out running the streets with some of my friends, and we were breaking in cars. I punched the window, and I cut my arm up, and I have this uh, serious gash in my arm. And I felt like this was the first time I heard an audible voice from God. And he said, that's strike number two. The first strike was you getting kicked out of school. The second strike is you almost killed yourself tonight. If it would have been a few inches down, I could have gashed my wrist and died that night. It scared me to the point of, from the rest of my junior and my senior year, I cleaned up my act. I get to college, but the fruit of my life still isn't changed. I get back and I'm a, all of a sudden I'm at this college and now I'm a small fish in a big pond. So I feel like I gotta prove myself all over again. So I go back to drink and I go back to smoke and I go back to partying. I land myself in jail. We stealing groceries out of Walmart. And I just remember looking around and like, whatever I'm trying to do with my life, it isn't working. I had a chance to make it out and now my coach can take my scholarship and I'd be sent back home. And I, I messed up my opportunity before I even played a snap on the field. Fortunately, the coach did not kick me off the team. He gave me another chance. Cause a little while later, our team chaplain who I've been going to Bible studies with, 
he started to spend time with me in the Word. He was talking about, you know, these radical ideas that I had never even thought about. And then he started to show me in the Bible that matched exactly what he was saying. And I never had looked at the Bible in that light. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And he was talking about, this is talking about your heart. But my whole theory with God was, at the end of the day, God, you know I got a good heart. Well, this was showing me that I had a bad heart because nothing but bad fruit was coming from my life. But then he told me something that was reassuring and encouraging. He said, God will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that night I went home and I was scared and I just prayed. It was the most sincere prayer I'd ever prayed. I said, God, I need a new heart. That's all I said. The next day I was hoping that everything would change. I woke up and by the end of the day I was doing a lot of the same stuff I had been doing. And I was like, man, you said that God would give me a new heart if I asked. He said, if you ask for a new heart, God will honor it and God will give it to you. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but he's going to give it to you. The message started to resonate and I started to understand why Jesus had to die on the cross. He had to pay for those sins. And until we get a new heart, we can't fix what's coming out of us. And that God wants to come inside of us and clean us so that he can draw us back to himself. And and it was like he was taking the scales off my eyes. At that moment, he removed the taste of alcohol from my mouth. He didn't remove marijuana and sex right then. But I said, God, you're the Lord of my life. And I'm going to choose to serve you. When you want to move these things, you will. And he did a little bit later. Um, he removed marijuana and then uh, I was in an imperial relationship for five years. God broke it. He was like, it's time to get out of this. And I got out of that relationship. For two years, I walked in purity. I dated my wife and then we were married a year and a half later. And that was the first time I'd ever did a relationship the right way. And to say that I've done that now and then look at the, the benefits of uh, a blessed relationship and our marriage of after four years and our, our beautiful children just to see that the fruit that's come from it you just understand God is a God of order and when we do things in his order he can bless them more I let go and I said God I'm trusting you I don't know where you're going to take me and he's brought me closer and closer to him DeMario's story is a great example of how God pursues us it's a relentless pursuit of kindness, truth, and love. And DeMario needed God, even though he didn't realize it. And it may be the same for you today. All out, all in. It's not just a battle cry for football players. It's God's battle cry toward us too. The cross of Jesus Christ proves it. And the resurrection of Jesus gives it more power than anything else in our lives. researching for this, I, I, I heard that phrase, all out, all in, and I had no idea what that meant. Again, I'm not a sports person, so I had to go look it up, and I was really encouraged when I saw what it meant, and, and to be all out means that you're just, you are leaving everything on the field. There's not, not, there's not one ounce that you reserve back. To be all in means that uh, you are all in with the team and the vision and, and the direction that the team is going in. And so just an encouraging thought, kind of like you said, like a war cry or, or a motto and a slogan. But was that, there was one other thing that I was researching that really stood out to me. It was that relationship with that couple, Case and Kim. There, there was this moment where I was watching and I was trying to figure out more about who these people were. And I, and I came across a video interview of them early 2019 and how they were talking about that they... Um, they had been, among many things, they had been praying and believing God for a child. Up to that point, they tried everything. They 
They tried medicine, they tried procedures, they, they did everything that they, they knew that they could and should do, and yet they still hadn't had a kid, and so they were praying for that and believing for that miracle. But what struck me was not so much that they had something that they were hoping for, because I'm sure all of us, whether we, whether we have acknowledged it or not, all of us have something in our own hearts, our lives, that we're believing God for. It's maybe small or big, but it's something that we're hoping and trusting God. If you're there and if you, you care that you, you would show up in this way, and some of us, we approach that with great faith, knowing that, that, that God is there moving on behalf. Some of us are just clinging on to hope. But either way, all of us have something. But what struck me about that testimony was Kim when she said that when I was with all of these women or with other people that I was connecting with, normally it was like the spouses of the NFL players. When I was with all of them, I, I wasn't holding back praise towards God. Like, yeah, we were still waiting. There was a heaviness on their heart because they wanted so desperately a child but they didn't wait to share who Jesus was and the goodness and the faithfulness of God until they had that answer, until they had a child that they're holding in their arms. She and they determined in their heart that there would not be one second that was wasted. That while they were still waiting for the victory, still waiting for the blessing, that they were gonna give all that they had to be all out when it came to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And, I, and I, I listened to that and I was challenged by that. Like, man, there's so many times that I withhold full praise towards God and a full thankful lifestyle and the, the words that you share and the thoughts that you have. There's times that I reserve and pull back because I'm like, God, I'm just still waiting for more or waiting for something different or a breakthrough or, or something to take place. And, and I just wonder in our own lives, how many of us, we have, we have missed opportunities, both with God and with other people to really draw ourselves and others closer to Jesus, because we're so focused on the lack or the ask or the thing that we're waiting for. That really, that pressed on me, that challenged me. But then I read, again, that interview was early 2019, and I went across and found an article of May of 2019, so just a few months later, and this is what the article said. It was actually an announcement that they were expecting their first child after years of fertility treatments. And right there, they had a gender reveal party, and it was a boy. And obviously, since then, unless it was the longest birth or longest uh, carrying ever, they've obviously had their son. And, and they were blessed with the dream, blessed with the thing that they've been praying for. And I know that doesn't always work out that way for everybody exactly how we imagine it. But for them, God blessed them with that. But I have to believe in large part, it's because they did not hold back their praise while waiting for the next phase of their life. And so for us, with, with assuming, and I think this is a fair assumption that the vast majority of us in here are followers of Jesus, which means we've said that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that, that my life belongs to him. With that assumption, I wonder how many of us still, as believers of Jesus that love God and are loved by God, how many of us would say that that's not really my story? That, I, that if someone were to bump into me in the last few days, the last few weeks or months or even a year, that, that what they heard from me was not how amazing and big and powerful my God is, but they've heard something else, a different story. 
Maybe a story that focuses on the wrong things or, or too much even on things that aren't necessarily bad, but they're just out of order. Maybe they've heard you complain. Maybe they've heard you in your frustration. And I just know that we have a world of people that we need to be living Jesus in front of. If I can say it this way, and this does put pressure on us a little bit, I understand, but I think it's true. For many people, you're the only Bible that they're ever going to read. For many people, you're the first and primary example of what a Christian is and should be. And for some people, they understand who God is, good or bad, by how you live your life, good or bad. Now, obviously, the goal would be that they would not see us and that our lives would 100% point towards Jesus. And that's what we should be moving towards and aiming towards. That's, that's even why we do things like this. Like I said, I don't, I'm not a big football person. I could go the entire year without doing anything like this. But if doing something like this brings just one person closer to a relationship with God, like Paul said, I would do all things so that by all means possible, some might come to know the Lord. But for us in our day-to-day lives, what's your testimony? What's your story? How have you been representing or representing the good news of Jesus Christ to other people? All out, all in. We see it in Kirk Cousins as he trusts God when things don't make sense. We see it in the kingdom's life as they refuse to allow any day to be wasted because the love of God is too important for them. And finally, we see it in God's unrelenting pursuit of DeMario. And now, the invitation goes out to you. What would it look like for you to go all out in your pursuit of God? And what would it take for you to be all in when it comes to the life He's inviting you to live? So on behalf of myself and Kirsten, of Kirk and DeMario and the Kingdoms, and finally, from everyone on the Football Sunday team, may you experience the love of Christ richly and profoundly. And may you take one step closer today to following in the footsteps of Jesus as he leads and guides you. It's been my pleasure to spend this time with you. Enjoy the game and have a great day.